When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, before we, well, I guess when we recorded last, you had made a bold proclamation. This proclamation was that if the Mets went 7-1 and one over the eight games between recordings, that you felt they should stay put and not become sellers. I believe you had said maybe 6-2. and two. Well, here we are eight days later. The Mets went 6-2. and two. And uh, I'm wondering how you feel about the state of the New York Mets going into the All-Star break. I I wish I could say I felt better about them than I do, (laughs) considering that they very nearly did exactly what I asked uh, and, and, you know, did exactly what that sort of plan B was for for the eight-game stretch. Uh, I think it's the best thing we've seen them do in in quite a while. I mean, they went all of June winning back-to-back games once. Mm-hmm. So winning six in a row just felt like, I mean, I think you you literally said it to me at some point during the week. Um, I think Jason Fry made essentially the same point in a, a recap over at Faith and Fear and Flushing, uh, saying what you said that that who who is this team? You know, what have they done with the twenty twenty three Mets? So, um. Sure, objectively six and two was still a really nice stretch, but man, they they couldn't have found a more twenty twenty three Mets way to finish that stretch. <laughs> yes, than correct. with the two games that they lost uh, in San Diego. So uh, there were dramatic wins during the the winning streak. Um, it just looked like a team that uh, I don't know. You you need to see more than any of this to think that they're really going to turn it around, but. It looked like they had things moving in the right direction. And had they won today or or last night, um, I think it would it would just feel that little bit better. It's it's always tough to go into a break. I hate in baseball going into an off day uh, on a Mets loss. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I would still consider um basically just standing pat for a little while longer because they have at least made up some of the ground that they um needed to to get you know get back into the wild card mix but 
Yeah, you're still looking at a lot of teams, a lot of games between them and any kind of playoff spot. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I the once once the break passes and they get through, or they get back to playing, those games are going to go by pretty quick. And yes, they will. We'll have a pretty clear answer on it. But right now, it still feels like I would lean toward uh, them being sellers, but. They did just enough that if they replicate this stretch in their first eight games or, or, you know, let's say they six and three or seven and two in the nine games coming out of the all-star break, then at least they get near the trade deadline. They're around 500. Um, That's enough to get you there. So, uh, you yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's, that's where I'm at. And it, it is funny how much different it feels if they had won today. All right. One, seven out of eight going into the break, um, you know, close things down to 500 being within reach in, in relatively short order. Uh, it would just feel, I don't know. It would feel a little bit more optimistic, not overly, but more. Sure. Yeah, I more or less agree with everything that you said. Uh, the the difference between seven and one and six and two is negligible, except how those two losses came about. Now, look, last night David Peterson gave up three runs in one inning, but oh, otherwise looked okay. No, he did not look as good as he did in his first start, uh, or I guess his first start of this eight game stretch. Um, but Peterson looked okay, and. You know, I am not a David Peterson apologist by any stretch. However, I, I root for the guy, and I hope he does well. And when he is establishing his slider, he is doing well. So, you know, in a way, it was very encouraging to see him last week really uh, have a good start for the Mets and, and give some hope for maybe, oh, maybe maybe there's a role for Peterson in this team somewhere down the road. Um, but today, I mean, last night, rather, Peterson did not look as, as sharp. And that is a bit of frustration, uh, as is the Mets bats essentially going silent two days in a row, which has been a problem all season for them. But after a week of them, you know, more or less hitting, seeing the bats go quiet is not as, or at least go quiet when 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 uh, they need to make some noise, excuse me, uh, was frustrating. But also today with Max Scherzer having another shaky start and Tommy Pham leaving the game with injury, it just showed you that while there are parts of the team that are obviously doing better, a lot a lot still has to go right for the Mets. And obviously we cannot control injuries. That is nothing that we can look to as, you know, the Mets should have done X or Y. These things just happen. So I can't blame the Pham injury on anybody. Uh, but Max Scherzer has just not been Max Scherzer this year. And one of the things that we talked a lot about in the offseason was just how unstoppable that one-two combination of Scherzer and Verlander was going to be. And these co-aces like we had last year with DeGrom and uh, Scherzer and just, you know, the the combined Cy Young Awards and future Hall of Famers, et cetera, et cetera. And there's really been nothing from Scherzer this season consistently to live up to the pedigree that he brought with him to the Mets, or even that he brought to the Mets last season. This has just been a a, a tough season to watch for Scherzer. And because of that, I think whenever he pitches and pitches poorly, it's just a reminder that the Mets aren't quite there. I know there are plenty of teams that made the playoffs with underperforming stars. I'm, I'm not trying to say that only when a team fires on all cylinders can they make the playoffs. But with the Mets, it just seems to me like they were depending so much on their older superstar players. And when you see one of them continually faltering, it makes it really hard to believe in the team going forward. Does that make me a baby or uh, overreacting to seeing one player doing poorly to, to, to be so down on, on things or do you get it? No, no, I get it. Um, I think despite the way that his final start went, for the Mets last year, 
Uh, Scherzer had put up the best ERA in a single season of his career, um, which is pretty remarkable for somebody who's done as much as he's done. And you know, granted, he did it in fewer innings than he had pitched in, in a lot of those single seasons. But that's still... I didn't go into the winter saying, oh, that one bad start in the wild card round was um, the pitcher that he's going to be moving forward. And obviously he hasn't been that bad, but it's been a pretty substantial letdown to see him. Uh, he, you know, he's over a, well, yeah, thrown today. He's well over a four ERA um, coming off a year where he, was in the low twos and coming out a couple of years really where, where he was down in that uh, sub three range. Um, his bad season was the short pandemic season where, where he was closer to four than three. But um, you know, this is a guy who has spent his thirties putting up a better ERA as a major league pitcher than he did in his twenties. Um. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's the the clock. I don't know if it's, um, the, you know, the sticky stuff suspension and, and whatever whatever the formula was that he was using um, sort of being taken out of the equation by by that suspension. Although it wasn't working particularly well before, before then no, this year anyway. But, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what, like, I feel like the simple answer is just that uh, he's, He's 38 and, you know, maybe, maybe he's started to lose a little bit of something um, after, you know, a decade or more of being legitimately a great pitcher. Um, Not only that, but we, we've seen in the past and I don't have an example at the ready, which I wish I did for this, but we've seen pitchers start to lose something and then a year or so later they make adjustments to it, but have a rough, like first season of decline, right? And so Scherzer, I, I'm not doubting that Scherzer can't put together a good season again, but he's getting, you know, up there in age. He is getting up there, and there's a miles on the arm, and I just don't know how much longer we can expect him to be the Scherzer of old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you look at uh the most successful pitchers the Mets had in their forties and, and granted his contract doesn't take him there. Verlander's already does, but um, Bartolo Colon and R.A. Dickey both just seem to have sort of this chill uh, approach to <laughs> baseball and, and kind of everything. Um, and obviously there have been some pretty intense pitchers who have pitched very well into their forties. I'm not saying that's impossible, but um, I don't know. Not everybody ends up being uh, what Randy Johnson went into his forties a, a decent amount, right? Roger Clemens, right? Nolan Ryan, uh, but, yeah, certainly uh, guys who and look, Scherzer and, and Verlander are trading places on the all-time uh, strikeout leaderboard as they continue their careers here with the Mets. It's not like they're any slouch in that regard, but um. You know, some of those most intimidating pitchers of all time uh, did succeed with that. But with Scherzer, we we know how intense he is. Um, it's been a well-documented part of his, uh, really his entire career since he broke out. Uh, you know, early on, I don't, I don't think anybody was paying too much attention to sort of how he worked uh, because he had been a highly touted prospect who didn't really figure it out for his first few Major League seasons. Um, yeah, I know that's easy for me to say that <laughs> you were 24 and and you know you had an all right year in Arizona. That's still a lot better than you know, the vast majority of people who ever attempted to play. Right. Um, but until he won that Cy Young in in Detroit, he wasn't he wasn't a disappointment by any means. But he, he wasn't he, an he, ace. Yeah, no. And then that happened, and then he was from that point, uh, you know, through this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I'm, – I'm curious if 
he can, and I think we talked about um, on the show earlier this year, there had been a good piece about Madison Bumgarner being sort of uh, stubborn and not taking advice and not making tweaks and just doubling down on being the pitcher that he always had been. Uh, and essentially he wound up getting DFA. Scherzer obviously is not anywhere near that point. Uh, and he doesn't come off as a guy who would be resistant to information and change and tweaks and all of that. But I'm curious to see, you know, you go into the all-star break here and you're a player who spent most of the last 10 years being at the all-star game. Um, and granted the, the timing of um, the time you missed last year probably played into that more. Like if you just look at his full season last year, he, he was, would have been a deserving pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, 2020, there wasn't an all-star game. Uh, and last year and this year, the first two that he's had an all-star break to just have a four-day uh, vacation from baseball. And I'm, I don't know. I'm curious to see if he comes back and tries to tweak anything. I thought one of the most interesting things during this stretch was, um, it was mentioned on the broadcast and written about elsewhere, but hearing that Carlos Carrasco saw Pablo Lopez uh, showing basically his slider grip on Instagram and Carrasco saw it and decided to tweak it a little. And he's now worked his slider in a lot more to um, his recent starts. And it's been part of him being much more effective. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I would like to think that Scherzer is somebody who is interested in adjusting and fully capable of adjusting and he can still be that super intense competitor in the process. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see it. Um, and we'll have to see it pretty soon if, if the Mets are going to write the ship. Yeah. Here's a question for you on, on the Scherzer note. If he continues this season about where he is now, do you expect him to opt out or take the contract for next season? You know, I've been thinking about that. Um, as somebody who's so active in the union and and, and speaking on behalf of players uh, throughout the league, I feel like he. I feel like if I had to bet, I'd say that he'll he'll just stay on the contract, not opt out. Uh, you know, don't don't just choose to walk away from that kind of money when, when you're not going to get half of that now. Right. Um, I mean, this is the reason that you sign contracts with those options. Right. Because you want to be able to take advantage of it. If like, if there's a situation where you are able to get a better deal because, because of reputation or whatever, you, you should take that every time. Right. You know, you're only getting paid so many years as a baseball player. Take it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, obviously, he's already financially set. Um, something that I like to remind people about that is that the Nationals are still paying him. Uh, yes. not, not nearly what the Mets are every year, but <laughs> 43 from the Mets, 15 from the Nationals. You, you know, he's he's doing all right. So there's a tiny part of me that wonders, you know, does he does he look at the reality at the end of this season, if he finishes the way that he's uh, pitched so far and does he look at it and just have some sense of, of either pride in wanting to be like live up to um, sort of what the expectation is for himself and does it make him walk away from the game or is he just like, yeah, this didn't work out with the Mets. Let me opt out so I can be, somewhere else to finish my career. And and to his credit, he is not, I don't think he said a bad word about anybody in the organization. Uh, yep. You know, not about Buck Showalter. Uh, he has spent a big part of his press conferences this year, hyping up Francisco Alvarez uh, and, and talking about how much he loves working with him. Uh, so he, he's doing and saying all the right things. It just isn't clicking for him on the mound. And, um, I don't know. I feel like if David Wright hadn't had an injury and, and he had gotten to the point 
where he was in his age 38 season and everything was great. And then he had a bad first half. I'd be like, oh, come on. It's David Wright. He'll, he'll turn it around. He'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. Um, so objectively, I should probably give Scherzer the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not his fault that, uh, the Nationals were the team that was spending money at the time that he was due to hit free agency and get paid, and and he he took he took the best deal for himself, and um, yeah, I, I I can't hold that against him, um, having been a division rival. So objectively, if there's anybody who's going to figure it out, it's it's the first ballot Hall of Famer. So yes, yeah. Um, um, I- I do think that he winds up taking the taking the deal, but not necessarily for the. Um, I mean, look, I'm sure him making forty million dollars is the primary reason for taking for up for staying around. But I also think Scherzer is the kind of guy who believes in finishing what he started and believes in proving he's better than this and all of that. I could see his just his competitive nature. Just saying, like, fuck it. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going, and I wouldn't be shocked if, for that reason alone, he sticks around through the last year of his contract. Add into it, like you said, that he won't even get half of his guaranteed contract with the Mets elsewhere. And also, I think that there has to be a sense among Mets players that this season, despite how bleak it has appeared at times. There has to be a sense that this is a bit of an aberration and that if you replayed this season with the same players a hundred times, like if you did a simulation of the season, the Mets would not be this bad. Um, You know, 90 times out of out of 100 or whatever it is. You know, so maybe he just feels like there's unfinished business here. And like I said, he seems like, seems like the kind of player to me who would really care about ending things on his own terms, working towards what he thinks his legacy is, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that makes the most sense right now on the Mets. It's not like he has a team the way that like, so when Ken Griffey Jr. saw the writing on the wall about his, his career, he went back to the Mariners. I don't think Scherzer feels that way about any of his former teams. Do you get that impression? Uh, no, I don't. So I, I, I'd agree with you there. I, <laughs> it, it's sort of an interesting way to look at it, though. Uh, but yeah, it's <clears throat> it's been a unique path for him. Yeah. I, actually, usually, I, I can't think of this play. Good, you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Usually when you're this good, you... you uh, you end up sticking in, in just one or two places. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not quite Gaylord Perry in terms of the number of teams he's pitched for, but are the Mets his fifth team? Uh, uh, no, uh, well, yeah, yeah, right. Cause he was traded to the Dodgers. Yeah. Briefly. Yes. Diamondbacks. But yes. Tigers, Nationals, Dodgers, Mets. It would be hilarious if he opted out and was like, I just really want to finish my career in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, again, the, you know, no fault of his own that basically the, the Tigers were not interested in, in paying anybody. And uh, at the time that he left the Nationals, they had decided we, we got our World Series. And uh, that's good enough for the next decade. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this has turned into a Scherzer episode. It has, yeah. <laughs> Did not expect that. Um... With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're now, we're now getting, you know, uh, this is being released after the home run derby, after the draft, after the All Star game. We don't know any of those results just yet, but you know, you mentioned before that you felt like the Mets needed to come out and make a big, a big impression in the first nine or ten games after the break before the trade deadline, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the first half of the season, and let's try and focus on just the good stuff right now. The best thing that's happened this season has to be Alvarez, correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, Sanga is up there, um, but but Alvarez doing things that young catchers just haven't done before. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he looks like he's going to break Johnny Bench's record for rookie catcher home runs, which is crazy. Yeah, and especially, I, I, I think for all of us, it felt like it was longer that he was in the minors than he actually was. But he didn't start the season on on the major league roster, right? He did have to spend some time in Syracuse before he uh, before he got called up. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's just it's kind of remarkable to see um, not only that he's been hitting them, but he's been hitting them in big situations um, it, during the winning streak. That home run he hit when they were down one nothing, Senga had yes. thrown the the best start of any Mets pitcher this year. Um, and he gets, he's down to his last strike and he hits a game tying home run. Uh, that's just, that's not something that a lot of players do, uh, but maybe ever in their career, um, even less so as rookies. Um, yeah, it's just, it's pretty cool to see. And I think I was optimistic on him. Uh, everybody thought he was going to hit. Uh, maybe not for like the first few games in April when he looked a little overmatched, but he adjusted very quickly. But uh, I mean, more so coming into the year, everybody thought he can hit. Um, and then there was the buzz about his defense. And given my take on his defense, I was pretty optimistic that he could be a, a good player uh, for the Mets in the not too distant future. But to be this age and to look this sharp in, in, in all facets of the game. I forget uh, if it was the same game that he also made a really good defensive play to, to sort of get it after. Was, a, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was <laughs> get after a ball throughout a, that, you know, a base runner who, who otherwise would have taken advantage of a uh, ball in the dirt that got a little bit away from him. Uh, it's just, he's a, he's a composed player who clearly has a special combination of, of uh, skills. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but if you had said that 
that he's doing the things he's doing and here's the rest of the roster, you would think this season had gone uh, remarkably well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I just think that he has been better than advertised in almost every regard. You know, offensively, he is killing it. Defensively, I mean, I, I give you credit every time I can about this. You know, um, you were saying his defense is not going to be as bad as people are saying, and you were absolutely right. And so, um, you know, good on you for that. I think as a clubhouse presence, I mean, the fact that Scherzer has been so vocal about getting just getting the press to be aware of how how vital Alvarez has been to the team and how he might, he personally likes throwing to him, etc. Like. All of that is just basically shows you a a, a a level of maturity for the player that I don't think any of us expected. And so that's been a wonderful thing. You mentioned Senga, and Senga has also been a wonderful uh, surprise this season. Although, you know, surprise is maybe a bit of a strong term. You know, the Mets signed him to a big contract, but anytime you're signing a... Uh, a foreign player, you're always doing some back of the napkin math. Who would say, okay, well, what is what is the real quality level of the NPB? You know, some people say it's like double A level. If that's if that's double A, then you know you take these numbers and you you convert them and all that. So what I'm trying to say is that nobody knew how good Senga would be, and you know, factor into that the fact that. A number of times he when he when he didn't get extra rest, he didn't look great early on. And just the general unknowns there, I think it's it was easy to forget by the middle of June sort of what the promise of Senga was when the Mets signed him. And the last couple of starts have shown us exactly what that promise is. I mean, that start in Arizona where uh where uh you know he hit the home run of the last bat. My very lucky brother happened to be at that game, which is maddening that, A, he lives in Arizona. I live in Jersey. He's been to a Mets game before I have this year, and he saw one of the best Mets games of the year. I, I'm a little jealous of that, but, you know, <laughs> that's all right. Um, but, you know, just we, we've now seen sort of when Senga is right, what he can do, and that is extremely satisfying as well and very cool. And I think an understated part of why Senga has been so great is because we have seen what that means. We've seen how much he seems to care about this team. The reaction that he had to Alvarez's game-tying home run, where he was pumping his fist and he was like slapping the dugout, just you know, he was he, he was very pumped for it. And it didn't seem like a celebration, like, oh look, I'm not gonna take the loss here. He seems like he just loves when his when the team wins. That's yeah. great. That's fantastic, you know. And uh yeah, both those guys have been real real pleasures. And it appears those guys are going to be part of the Mets team for many years to come. So that's a great thing too. Yeah, yeah, no, and and super happy that uh for him that he wound up getting on the All-Star roster. Um and in some alternate universe, if the playoffs started in mid-July and the Mets were in them, <laughs> he'd, he'd be the guy I'd throw out there for the first game uh, without question right now. And yeah. Yeah. It, obviously, Verlander and Scherzer uh, sort of struggling the way that they have is not something that we expected, but um, that would have been a bold, nice, bold prediction at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. <laughs> that Sango would just uh, – might. I, I doubled down. I'm like, Verlander's going to win another Cy Young. And, and granted, when we when we do that uh, over at Amazing Avenue, it's it's you know, uh, it's it's always meant to be a little ridiculous and tongue in cheek, at least from my perspective. So, um, I, I went with old pitcher is going to win another Cy Young, but uh, in hindsight, it should have been Sanga is going to be better than all these guys. Yeah. Is there anybody else? that you can think of that uh that has been you know a um a real positive for the season i mean the way lindor has hit lately has has sort of emphasized that he's still a pretty damn good player um 
I, I believe at the moment he's leading shortstops in baseball and wins above replacement on fan graphs. Um, you know, that that's not the only thing to look at when, when you talk about who the best player is at a position, but um, I think the low batting average probably has people uh, either if they're not down on him, maybe not fully appreciating him. Uh, it, he, he's been, he's been pretty damn good. And I don't know. Um, when you play the way that he does, I, I don't think it should necessarily fall on you to uh, carry the team by yourself. Right. Like he'll, in all likelihood, he'll be the Mets best position player by the end of the year. I mean, he, he is currently, but, um. Yeah, I I just don't want to take him for granted. Is all. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, hopefully Lindor and Alonso are are battling that out at the end of the season for the best position player. Right. And you know, Alvarez has a has a has an outside chance for, for that too. Oh yeah, right? no, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and and on the pitching side, David Robertson has, has been. Like if the Mets record were just flipped, um, which would still not be even that great of a record, but <laughs> if it if it were, we'd be saying, Hey, thank goodness David Robertson is basically Edwin Diaz this year. Right, right. Um which is uh not an easy thing to do. So No. Really not. Um Yeah. Uh all right. Not to get too negative before we wrap up here, but if you could point to one thing as being the biggest letdown, biggest disappointment, biggest bummer of the first half so far, what would you say that that is for you? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Let me look at I have my answer. I'll go while you okay. while you go, think about this. Yeah, here. go for it. Um <laughs> If we didn't spend half this podcast talking about Max Scherzer, that would have been my answer, just Scherzer's performance. Right. But um, I'm going to say Jeff McNeil so far this season. Uh, we all know that McNeil is a streaky player. I don't think anybody expected him to necessarily win back-to-back batting titles. However, McNeil is one of the players in, in all of baseball, in my opinion, that when he is off, you can tell from the second he walks into the batter's box. It's in his body language. You know, we all know his his uh, colorful language that comes out when he grounds out or hits a line drive at a at a fielder or strikes out. Um, he is just he's a very very intense player. But after such a great season last year. Just hasn't seemed like McNeil's been able to get anything going for any sustained period of time, and uh, you know that that that's a shame. And uh, he's a player that I think can be extraordinarily frustrating to watch when he's slumping. You know, there are players. I remember when um, Carlos Beltran was on the Mets. Obviously, he had some seasons that were better than others. But when you'd watch him play, it never seemed like he totally lost the thread, right? He'd have he'd have down periods, but in those down periods, he still looked like fundamentally an excellent baseball player who happened to be struggling. When Jeff McNeil struggles, he looks like a high school baseball player playing for a major league team. <laughs> Just the way that he gets down on himself and the bad to the bad sw- swings he takes, the pitches he flails at, like he just doesn't look right. And I'd say that's been a huge disappointment this season so far. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that that is that is totally fair. Um, I guess for me, I, I was thinking it more in, in like a turning point of the season in, in a bad way kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so more you know more of a moment and. I hate I hate to give this to Braves fans. Not that I think that they listen to this podcast, but <laughs> but the the fact that the Mets started June with a winning record seems impossible after really the way does. that month went. 
Um, so they, you know, they they start the month, they beat the Phillies, complete a sweep. They're they're over five hundred. Um, everything seems okay. They get swept by the Blue Jays, and then they go to Atlanta. And we know going to Atlanta is just never an enjoyable thing. Um, no matter how much turnover there is on on both rosters, it just is something that doesn't generally go well for the Mets. Uh, and I think the way they lost that that third game uh, when they got swept by the Braves, uh, it just I don't know that that felt that felt like a very big moment, and not just because the division was slipping away, but it just it, uh, yeah. And it, since then, they've been really really trying to to get get their way back, um, and. It just feels like they've they found so many ways to lose um, throughout the rest of June, and and you know look that was the sixth loss in a row out of, out of what would be seven um, to start the month um, after the one win, and yeah, uh, I, I I guess the last eight days have been refreshing in the sense that it just reminded us that they can win games again. <laughs> Yes. And against like, pretty good teams too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, two out of three from the Giants, who you know we talked about last time. They they sort of traded places um, back in April, uh, but the Giants have been uh, I mean the head of the Dodgers for a decent chunk of the season. Um, Arizona has been ahead of both of those teams, and you know the Padres have been essentially Mets West. <laughs> it was. It, we, you think of Steve Cohen, you know, saying that he essentially wants the Mets to be Dodgers East, um, and it sucks. Like I, I don't, as fans of a team that went from underspending intentionally for a long time to richest owner in Major League Baseball, who grew up a fan of his team and is just willing to spend anything. I don't want it to be as simple as the owner is willing to spend the most. Uh, wins the world series that year right like i that that's that's a little too business-like and everything but it it sucks to see teams that have made investments in, in good players um be in this spot that uh that they're struggling because people will draw the conclusion uh, you know that that you shouldn't do that and that to me is still nonsense i i I think you can achieve a, a very good roster. Obviously, the Rays have done it year in and year out um, without spending on on those kinds of players. But um, I don't know. I, I it would be nice. And the Mets and Padres were teams that didn't traditionally spend like that. So it would be nice if uh, things were going a little bit better for them. Yeah, that's well said. Any other first half thoughts before we uh, pick our music picks? I'm just I'm, I'm glad it's over. I hope the second half is better. <laughs> um, Even if the second half is miserable, I think it will feel better because we're kind of expecting it. Yeah. As opposed to the shock, you know, like it's it when you know the pool is full of cold water and you jump in, it still shocks you for a second but you're expecting it. But when someone pushes you into a cold pool, your body doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like our bodies haven't known what to do this season because this was supposed to be a Mets team that was going to at least, at least be in the wild card hunt the entire season. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, no, and, I, and I, I don't want to turn into the Mets fan either who uh, they have a great season to make the playoffs. And then we just, think the next year is going to go wrong because it's the Mets. Right. But damn, if that <laughs> that's not the case this year, uh, I, I don't know. But isn't it that the Mets have only had two years in their history? They made the playoffs back-to-back years? Um, 99-2000 and 15-16? Yeah, I guess... I guess that's right, right? Yeah, because 87, they didn't... Nope, they, didn't they made it 86 and 88. Right, 88. 69 and 73. Mm, yeah. 06, and then never again in that with that yeah. team. Um, <laughs> yeah, so just like, you know, 
it's not guaranteed that the Mets are going to be good year after year. Right. Um, yeah, no, you, you'd think we would learn that lesson. But I I do think that most years will be uh, better than they were over the last decade. And I think, I, not not that this is a Yankees podcast by any means, but my last baseball thought for this week, uh, you know, I would be very happy if the Mets were in the position the Yankees are in, in a playoff spot, you know, maybe having a fight to hold on to it. Not so sure that that's how the season's going to end. Uh, I wouldn't want to do with the best player on the team being out for maybe the whole season mm-hmm. with an injury. But if you just gave the Mets that record, I I would definitely uh, be um, finding something to be optimistic about and, and thinking that they could, put it together and, and, you know, at least clinch that playoff spot. So um, if that could be the new standard, that would be nice. Um, and who knows, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe, maybe August will be their month. It, it has been a couple times in the last 10 years. That's true. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a nice place to end on. Uh, but we're not quite done yet because we still have our music picks. Chris, what is your selection for this week? So I finally had the opportunity, or I finally took advantage of the opportunity to see a band called Perennial um, a couple of weeks back now. And they, like me, are from Connecticut. Uh, they're a really fun punk band. Uh, it's guitar, keyboard, and drums uh, with two vocalists, uh, you know, sort of exchanging uh, lead duties and... They, uh, the, the live show was great. They move a lot. Uh, the, the set just sort of, it's a blistering set and then it's over. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's appropriate. Uh, the record is called In the Midnight Hour. Uh, it's a tough choice for me between the first and second records, but um, this one is their second record. It came out um, either in 22 or, or, yeah. Yeah, 22 it came out. Uh, and of the 12 songs on the record, only three are longer than two minutes and none are longer than two minutes and 33 seconds. So, uh, I appreciate really good short songs and this band excels at them. Um, they definitely have a lot of awareness and following in, in, uh, you know, the circles that appreciate their style of music, but um, I would not be surprised if at some point they they break out a little bit more and they're doing their thing on uh, even bigger stages than, than they have thus far. Um, but if not, that's okay. That, that like not every band wants to do that and not every band needs to do that. And if it's just playing a bunch of really cool venues uh, for people who appreciate what they do, uh, that's a perfectly acceptable way to, to do all this. Uh, but I, I think there's enough catchiness here and, and energy in the live performance that if they're seeking it and uh, if enough people see it, it's a band that could be, you know, up there with some of the best uh, live bands that, that you'll see in, in the places that people go to see shows. So yeah, not quite a local band, but um, they definitely play New York City a lot and and generally around the Northeast quite a bit. So, and uh, you you have to take pride in your home state. I get that. Yeah, I've yeah, recommended yeah, no. tons of Jersey bands on this show. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't dropped a Hatebreed wreck yet. I, <laughs> I get, you know, I, I I've I've certainly mentioned them. I, I never really had like a huge hardcore phase, but I I saw I saw them a couple of times. You had to. You were you know. If you were into rock music as a as a teenager in Connecticut, like, and and I mean, I was a teenager in their heyday, so yeah. But uh, but yeah, perennial in the midnight hour. Um, the song of that name is is the second track on the record, and like I said, the songs aren't long. It's not going to take you long to get there. But if for some reason you just need the best way to start with this band, I would go with that song. Uh, and then if you like that, start the record over. Yeah. Good advice as always. 
so I had to say, I my cup runneth over this week. I after what had been sort of a lackluster couple of months for me in terms of finding new music, I listened to let's see, one, two, three, four, five records that came out this month or last month that I've really enjoyed in the last uh, month. But I'm going to go with something that uh, is a little bit different from what I usually talk about. And that is the new record from Bridget May Power. She is a singer songwriter from the UK, I believe from Ireland, but I'm not positive. So let's just say from the UK region, Um, the record is called dream from the deep. Well, and one of the things that she does with her songwriting is she really utilizes the open strings on her acoustic guitar. Her songs just have this ringing sentiment to them that just sounds really, um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. It just has this like wonderfully uh, chiming and uh, bright sound to them, even though a lot of the songs are not, I, I would think that chiming and bright sort of give this they evoke you know happiness and and peppiness but i would say that a lot of her songs don't really go for the easy like happy pop hook they they can be a little bit darker and a little bit um just more emotionally interesting and i absolutely love her voice and the way that her voice and guitar interact is one of my favorite uh such interactions in modern music I don't remember how I heard her first record. I want to say that it was on the Quietus's. The Quietus is a magazine from Britain that does an amazing year-end list every year. Every year, I, I I think I listen to a lot of music, and then I look at the Quietus list, and I've heard like one of their 100 albums. Like it's just, it's a it's a crazy crazy good list. I want to say she was listed on there, but I have checked out every record she's done since and loved everyone. But this might be my favorite one since her debut. So if you like really, really beautiful singing and if the idea of like open strings on a steel string acoustic guitar sounds appealing to you, give a give a listen to Dream from the Deep Well by Bridget May Power, which just came out last week. So I hope you all take advantage of that and enjoy. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it as always. Uh, enjoy the all-star break. Enjoy some non-Mets baseball. Have a couple of days to not worry so much about if the Mets are going to win and lose. That four days in a row, the Mets can't lose. Uh, you know, you're hearing this midway through that, but I hope you're enjoying your all-star break. Hope we're going to patreon.com slash home applesauce to support this podcast directly. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Threads, or Blue Sky at Brian Eaton App. Who knows which of those will exist by the time this comes out because social media is a volatile place right now. Um, but until next time, let's go Mets.